What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, we finally have some some more roster movement, and not really a surprise. Uh, Olivier Saar, uh, I think I got word yesterday afternoon, probably around 4.30, that Saar would be announcing something today. And John Calipari said it on his radio show to wrap up the year that Olivier was going to pursue a professional career, but that is now confirmed. I, I think a lot of people were kind of forgetting that he hadn't made an announcement. So he was factored into the Keon Brooks, Davion Mintz, but at no point did anyone really consider Saar at Kentucky another year, but it is official now that Olivier Saar will be moving on to a professional career, whether that be the NBA or somewhere else. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I obviously thought this was a thing in the past. Um, in the times we've discussed on Kentucky Daily, any kind of roster, SAR has not been mentioned at all just because no one expected it. But officially, like you said, he joins Brandon Boston Jr. and Terrence Clark as guys who have um, given up their eligibility in college and, and will be playing professionally. I've not seen SAR on any mock drafts in the NBA I don't think he's going to be picked. Perhaps he can get a summer league deal if they're still doing that or or some kind of two-way deal where he'll have a chance. But either way, Sean, i got to think Sar is probably a pretty coveted overseas prospect being from France. I would think he's well-known over there. I know he played on uh, France's national team as a teenager. So I would think he'll have attractive options somewhere uh, wherever he decides to go. But I'm sure he will give it a shot in the NBA first. I think that's almost any player in the world that's their dream is to – to play in the NBA, and he'll get that opportunity. Um, I guess my question for you, and we didn't really discuss this, but maybe we can take the conversation this way. Did Sar? do you think he improved or do you think he hurt, or did his draft stock in your opinion kind of stay the same? Just how do you kind of account for this year he had at Kentucky in terms of playing at the next level? He's in a better position to be a professional having Kentucky attached to his name than what he would have been without Kentucky attached to his name, in my opinion, like Nate Sestina right now playing uh, overseas. I think that just having Kentucky attached to you is a big deal, whether that's the NBA or whether it's an option overseas. But I think that he showed some things down the stretch. He showed that he's a very consistent three-point shooter, really, really good in the pick and pop, which I think will he'll have more success with moving on from Kentucky. The way Kentucky played, I don't think that that was really uh, – he, he wasn't best suited for John Calipari, in my opinion. I understand why he came to Kentucky. At the same time, I also understand why John Calipari recruited him to Kentucky. Kentucky got to a point last year where it was Olivier Sarr. They didn't have a big man. So, But he, he did some good things. I think 
obviously he didn't have the numbers that he put up at Wake Forest. Foul trouble hindered that a lot, just like it did at Wake Forest. But in a new new setting, new season, weird year with COVID, didn't get the normal Kentucky experience. But I do think that he did enough to where people will look and somebody will take a chance on him. He'll he'll be one of these guys. I don't I don't expect him to be drafted at all, Derek. But I expect him to be on the summer league roster if they have that and uh, to at least have a chance, and then probably a preseason roster. And if that doesn't work out, he will be a very successful pro somewhere in the world. Yeah, these guys who have been in college three, four years in some cases, and obviously it is still a selling point, I think, for guys. Kellen Grady mentioned it, um, the opportunity to play in the NBA. There's no question you're going to get that kind of exposure that you wouldn't get out of Davidson. Uh, use Nate Sestina as an example from Bucknell. Um, I, I would say his year for sure probably helped him get on. I don't know where Nate is now. Uh, he's overseas now, right? He is, yeah, and doing very well. But he had a chance to play um, some summer league stuff, right? I know he got a yep. shot uh, with one of the NBA organizations. To, I, I guess there is enough evidence now between Julius May going all the way back to Mays, Julius Mays, Davion Mintz, Reed Travis, Sar, like these guys who are coming to Kentucky after being in the league three or four years, I, there's not really a path, in my opinion, or it should not be held against Sean Calipari that these guys aren't really developing into draft picks. No. Because if these guys were – it's not always the case. I mean, you see some guys who stay a few years in college who are good enough to be drafted, but, like, you're coming to UK to help that ex- – to help get that exposure – uh, and I would still expect Cal to, to pitch that to guys like, obviously, the Kellen Grady. He talked about, I think, Tyler Hero, Jamal Murray, guys like that, how they would be used. But you got to think from Grady's perspective already coming in, like, is the team going to draft a 24-year-old, Sean? Like, probably not, right? Not not in the first round anyway. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not then. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the second round. But these guys are still in college for a reason. Right. At this point. When they get to that, like you mentioned when you started, guys that have been in college three to four years, that's what Kentucky's pursuing right now in the transfer portal, right? And that's mm-hmm. why we keep saying there's not a John Wall, there's not a De'Aaron Fox, there's not one of those guys out there that's going to – if you're not a pro as far as NBA by your junior year, I just think it's very rare for you to – I mean, now there's guys that obviously make it work that are undrafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look at the. I mean, look at Fred Van Vliet, who didn't even get drafted and ended up. He's has Toronto Raptors records and things like that. You have those outliers, but as for the guys at Kentucky, especially in recent years, I mean, who who's better than Reed Travis? Like Reed Travis was, I mean, an All Pac-12 performer, former McDonald's All-American, but was a senior in college for a reason. Ended up having a really good time at Kentucky, helping that team, and is a professional, but not in the NBA. And I don't know that – I'm not saying these kids come to Kentucky solely to be picked. I think there's something to playing your college career elsewhere and having a chance to come play at one of the top basketball programs in the country. Like I think that is probably a bigger selling point still than the opportunity to make the league. I guess what I'm saying is I don't mind Cal selling that angle. I hope for a, a kid's perspective, they're real with themselves and they're saying, you know what, coming here, I mean, coming there is probably only going to help you. I can't think of anyone who whose draft stock was hurt because they came to Kentucky. I mean, again, I don't think Sar is getting picked. Uh, 
even had he stayed at Wake Forest or gone elsewhere. Uh, that was just a thing I wanted to ask you, though, um, before. So, Sean, yeah. with Sargon uh, – sorry, just something else you wanted to add? No, just that you, you sounded so disappointed to say no. Well, no, you, you mentioned <laughs> that, you know, come, being pros, and they're not all coming to be picks. I do agree with that. I think that, in a sense – getting to Kentucky at the end of your collegiate career probably makes some of these guys feel like a pro. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you get getting, experience at UK that you're not going to get at that yeah. other school you were at. Yeah, and Nate Sestina was a guy who arrived at Kentucky hoping. I mean, all these guys obviously hope, hey, I they every basketball player works to get to the NBA until their time is stopped, is stopped ticking with the game, until that clock stops ticking. But Nate Sestina was the guy who got to Kentucky, improved his body, improved his skill set, and all those things, working with KP. I think that all of those things is what gets guys like that to Kentucky because you're not only are you trying to become an NBA player, you're trying to put yourself in your family's situation in a better spot to be just a professional overall. And I think Kentucky does that. A lot of programs do that. But even though the grad transfer route or the transfer route late in college for seniors does it? I mean, how many of these guys are going to end up getting drafted that come to Kentucky late or go to Duke late? Not many, very few, if any. But they will be professionals, and then you learn under a guy who trains professionals and a staff. I think that's where the benefit comes from. That's what's appealing to these guys, this group of guys that they're after right now. Because with with freshmen, it's different. Like Isaiah Jackson came to Kentucky to be a lottery pick. Marcus Carr is not coming to Kentucky at some point the summer if he ends up doing that to be a lottery pick. I think you summed that up really well. I think you said that better than I could have, and that's a nice way to, to tie that up. I agree with you completely. Um, and Sestina is a great example of what you're just talking about. So with Sargon, and again, we no one really accounted him being next year anyway, but wrote a story today, catsballs.com. Just looking at the front court, nothing groundbreaking, just kind of a little refresher. Sean, I got him at six right now, guys in the front court, and that's including Keon Brooks. I, logic I went with was he hasn't officially declared for the draft, I don't believe. At least UK hasn't seen anything out saying that he has declared for the draft. And he's not said he was leaving. So I came to the assumption that as of now, you got to expect him back. So. He's a returnee along with um, Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware. And, and this is just in the front court reminder. Um, and then, of course, the newcomers. I added Oscar Sheboy there, although he's, you know, a bit of a tweener because he actually played college basketball last year, 10 games, practiced with Kentucky uh, final few weeks of the season. So not an exact newcomer, but, again, a guy who obviously didn't play for Kentucky last year. And then you got the two freshmen, Damian Collins, Bryce Hopkins, two highly rated kids. That segues, Sean, into the next thing I wanted to talk about. ESPN released their very early 2022 NBA mock draft, and I have to think it has to do with they waited until Chet Holmgren made his decision yesterday for Gonzaga because he is a, a presumed number one or number two pick next year. They also have uh, actually have Paolo Bencaro, hope I said his name right, as the number one choice. But the big big story you're going to see, some people probably have already seen this story, Um by the time you listen to this, as of now, no Kentucky players at all on that list of 60. So what do you make of that, Sean? <laughs> Pretty surprising, right? I didn't. I don't know if any point 
in John Calipari's Kentucky tenure would we ever be able to sit here and say that. doesn't mean that some of those guys won't eventually work their way into NBA draft picks, but it, it is it does show you the change in the way that this roster looks, obviously. I mean, Damian Collins, I guess, would be the guy that you pick. That yeah. Could possibly. I mean, what am I missing there? Like, how is he not on there? That's well, what I'm on there. I think that's the most surprising thing. If he's as good as what they're they're kind of billing him out to be, you kind of see him having some NBA potential after one season at Kentucky. Uh, but how, how do you think fans are going to look at that though? Because they obviously they've seen the other side of this, where you've had these guys that were like determined and like destined to be top ten picks. I mean, BJ Boston self-proclaimed himself like wanting to be the greatest basketball player ever. Yeah, and, he's got a long way to go. And he's going to be at best second round in this draft. Terrence Clark might not even hear his name called. Those were two guys that nine months ago we were sitting here saying that's definite first round picks. Hey, man, I think Devin Askew was like 25th on that SB Nation one that I saw last year before the season. So definitely like this is strictly well, for us mistakes. a talking point. Yeah, well, tough to evaluate, I guess, last year. If you were to go back now and look at some of those early monk drafts, you'll probably sit there and laugh. That's very hard to project. I'm not trying to it pick is. on anybody. Yeah. It's very difficult to make a list like that. A couple of things I guess I want to mention with Collins is I almost feel like it's an oversight. I, like I just kind of feel like the writers didn't mean to leave him off. And I come to that logic because – He's the number 11 player in his class in the composite. I think he's actually top 10 for us on 24-7. And he's going to a one-and-done factory, a school like UK, that you would expect guys to be one-and-done. So, like, even if you're not crazy high on his potential, how is he not in your top 60 if he's basically a top 10 player going to Kentucky? That's where I come down on that. I just can't imagine that you would leave him off the entire list unless – these guys have seen him play and think there's no way he should be rated that high, but I, I've not really gathered that. It seems like the high school scouting guys really like his potential. Um, he is for sure someone I thought was going to be coming to Kentucky to be a one-and-done. One note where this whole conversation could change, though, is Ty Ty Washington yeah. is number 13 on the list. So a projected lottery pick, if he were to come to Kentucky, he would be the one guy on there. But Crazy, so, right? Like, yeah, this, this guy coming in late. Uh, that's quite a rise for a guy. That's what I'm getting at. Like this, I think Ty Ty is like number 30, or he's in the 30s in the rankings, but a projected lottery pick. And then you have a guy like Collins who's when are the top next, 10 in his class, but not in his top 60. When do the next, when do the final rankings come out for that class? Um, I'm haven't seen this confirmed, but they're not having any of those in-person All-Star games, are they? They're not. So that should probably move up the timeline a little bit unless there are other events. Like I think the Geico stuff's all done, right? All those national tournaments. Like I would imagine it's pretty soon, but I've not been told a definitive. How high does Washington climb in that final ranking? If you're getting that type of buzz and mock drafts and things, I mean, are you – I'm pretty confident he's going to be a five-star in the composite because I think ESPN for sure is going to bump him up pretty high. I think 24-7 will – I'm going to say he finishes ahead of Hickman for sure. I'm going to say he ends up late teens, early 20s would be my good, guess. If he, if he rises any higher than that, then my goodness, that's that's quite a – So it makes me look like rise. a fool for a few weeks ago saying that there's not that five-star guy in the in the high school route that you see Kentucky getting involved with now, which things kind of unraveled with Creighton. 
late in the season. He mm-hmm. decommitted, obviously, and then Kentucky became a factor. But if Kentucky adds him, Derek, I mean, already Damian Collins was their only composite five, right? Yep, the only one was, yeah. that's on the roster as it stands. Uh, it would definitely be another uptick in talent, which leads us into now. Every day that we wake up, we ask ourselves, who goes into the portal today that Kentucky's going to be connected to or are people going to look at and say, is Kentucky going to get involved with this guy? And Derek, another name went in the portal today, another talented player. It remains to be seen what happens on Kentucky's Kentucky's end if they reach out. But I do see that Jack, Jack Pilgrim, spoke with uh, Devontae, Devontae Jones uh, the Coastal Carolina transfer, and he says he hopes to talk to UK. It'd be a blessing to hear from Coach Calipari. Jack put that on Twitter. So Kentucky to this point has not reached out. And then I think uh, somebody else, Davion Harmon, who who put that out? Was it Zach? Did I tell you that earlier? Uh, KSR Zach? Yes. Yeah, Zach Gagan. That's right. Okay, here it is. Yeah, he spoke with uh, <clears throat> Davion Harmon's father and he said that they've not heard from Kentucky since last week so write him off then so what do you what do you think of that do you think that maybe Kentucky's keyed in on who they want maybe they know that they're getting one or two guys and they're kind of going quiet when it comes to contacting because we we know how quiet the Grady thing was worked and stuff and then it was an official announcement UK made it which was very rare in a situation like this, that something doesn't come out. I'm going to say Ty-Ty Washington's our top option right now um, in the backcourt. I'm using the assumption that Frederick's locked up just because I think that's been in the works. So I don't think they will make a move on anyone else until they hear from Ty-Ty. And if he chooses to go elsewhere, then I think you might see them crank, crank back up. But there's another guy, too, who in the portal, and it has to relate to SEC basketball, Severe Willer. At um, Georgia. Yeah, big loss for them. Uh, Tom Crean era looks like it's going to be coming down pretty soon. Not that it was had too many high points. I just think some of these schools, Sean, with this portal, I mean, I don't know. Have you seen that Texas A&M has had eight players going to the portal since the season ended? Eight guys on 13-person 13, 13 roster, 13 scholarships. You've got eight guys who have gone into the portal. I mean, you're going to find out the, the kids who – are happy with how they're treated. And I I have no evidence to say Buzz Williams is doing anything wrong, but, I mean, that's a pretty big red flag, right? Like, I don't think you're running off eight guys. You might have some guys who say, all right, whatever. If they want to go, we're cool with it. We'll replace them with somebody else. But, I mean, he's losing, like, his top commits from last year's class, things like that. Guys who you would think in a rebuilding job, you would want to be kind of cornerstone pieces of your program. And uh, George is kind of doing the same thing. Tamani Kamara. Uh, left earlier this year. He transferred – I can't remember where he went. I think he went to another Power 5 school, though, I, I think. Uh, I might need to look that up. But Wheeler was, was one of their best prospects, one of their best players this year. He's going to be gone, too. I just think the the loss of some of these schools are, are that are trying to build, I just don't think you can really recover from these kinds of losses. And uh, obviously Georgia basketball's not not priority number one there by any means, but you still think that that's a state with – how much, or sorry, the program with how much talent is produced in that state. Georgia should have a pretty solid basketball team, I would say, most years. They should, and that's a that's a big loss for Georgia 
too when I saw that this morning. And obviously, whatever in the world is going on at uh, Texas A&M. I mean, it's the SEC. A lot of programs in the SEC are getting better. I mean, you're seeing Auburn getting better. Arkansas and Alabama are maintaining, doing what they're doing. Tennessee, obviously loading up again. Remains to be seen exactly how Kentucky finishes this thing out. But when it's all said and done, you expect them to be right there among the, the three best. But Mississippi State's getting better. But you got a couple of programs, obviously, that aren't or in situations where it's, it's going to be very difficult to climb out of some of those holes they've been in. That's a couple of programs that have been. Yeah, one more draft note. Um, Johnny Juzang, former Wildcat, talked about him some after his postseason run. Johnny declared for the draft today. will maintain his college eligibility, but I know, Sean, you think he's going to stick. He's going to stay in the draft. I do. Given the way that he closed the season on that note, on that stage, I, I think it's a situation where he needs to kind of jump and take advantage of it right now because it, when he left Kentucky, in your mind at all, I mean, obviously, we were, I don't want to undersell him, but when he left Lexington, I honestly thought there's no way Johnny Juzang works his way into a lottery pick. There were some people that actually thought he would have played more at Kentucky this year than he did at UCLA. People close, some people close to the UK program. I think it actually surprised everyone how good he was. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, hindsight. I mean, hindsight. You, this time last year, you didn't worry about it too much because he, you know, you thought you had two studs and and Boston and Clark coming in. Obviously, that didn't happen, and the loss of Juzang was magnified for sure. But Johnny flashed at Kentucky last year, but you know, never to the point where I thought he'd be. Declaring for the draft, and it seems like a lot. His decision is really going to hinge on whether UCLA. Which I mean, who cares, right? But if UCLA is preseason number one or not, it seems like a lot of that is riding on a junior Johnny Juzang. Dick Vitale has them there. I know he had them there a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's a team, obviously, that'll be a trendy pick, especially if Johnny Juzang goes back to school, given the way that they closed the season. And Derek, they ended up being a very good basketball team at the end of the year. I didn't think they were that good going into the tournament, but they, they looked really good over the course of two to three weeks in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but I think that pretty much covers everything on the basketball side, right? Is there anything else you want to get to? Anything there? I mean, obviously, now that Olivier Sars' decision has been announced, maybe I might get word. Who knows? I'll be closely watching situations with Davion Mintz. Here, here, Davion Mintz is just as cryptic as all can be right now on Instagram with his lyrics this has been going on for a couple of weeks though and you, you can't get caught up in lyrics because if you listen to the words it sure it sounds like that he's talking about coming back but then if you listen closely it also talks about give me the check so listen to the entire song i'm not looking into lyrics or anything. get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Something like that, uh, but we have to get something pretty soon, right? I mean, we're almost into May. This thing's got to start winding down at some point, Derek, especially 
if these guys are going to be on campus late May, early June for a normal summer. You kind of expect things to be done in the next 20 to 30 days. I mean, staff stuff, everything, it's all happening all at once right now, which I think might be complicating it. Uh, But there's a lot of movement going on in Lexington right now. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Say something else going on in Lexington. Well, not in Lexington, a team from Lexington. Uh, First time ever, Sean, a friend of the show, Craig Skinner, leads the U.K. volleyball program to the Final Four. Took down... Purdue in three sets last night. I don't have the match scores. I watched the match, but I forgot the the scores of each set. Today is not the day that I'm going to become a volleyball expert. I'm not going to pretend to be. Matter of fact, that was only the third time this season I'd watched the volleyball team play. I'd watched them back in the fall, which, holy cow, man, what a long season it has been for those girls. I know they had the split in between, but when you go all the way back to the fall, I mean, that is a long year. But when I watched this team, Sean, I had Hunter Mitchell on here. Uh, talking some volleyball a few weeks ago. Craig Skinner, of course, like I said, want to compliment you. Very good foresight on your part. Get these guys on here because uh volleyball team is obviously going to be on the big stage, going to be getting a lot more media coverage than normal. Um, but, Sean, I don't see a weakness with no. that volleyball team. No, <laughs> I don't. Uh, very good. That's a, that's a senior class that has been good their entire time. It's a junior class with Allie Stumler who Avery Skinner, Derek, I, like, I don't know how much you've followed or how familiar with names over the course of their career. The very I'm first, familiar with, yeah, with the roster. I feel so like I know a decent amount. The very first UK, official UK athletics event that I covered was the very first match that Madison Lilly, Avery Skinner, Gabby Curry, and that class played in. It was in Lexington. It was hotter than all get out in Memorial Coliseum. It was August. They don't have AC in that building. I was sweating press row. Not a lot of media there. It doesn't get a ton of coverage, especially with football and stuff in the fall and interviews and stuff. It was hard to get over there sometimes. But I'm sitting there watching that. So I've watched this class all the way through. And last night I was like, you know, this team, this team's good enough to win the whole thing. Obviously, Wisconsin, if they play Wisconsin, is going to be difficult. I mean, the Big Ten is loaded. They beat a Big Ten team last night. Pretty much handled a Big Ten team. I think it broke Purdue's will when they lost the first set. And then that second set that was really close at the end, I know Gabby Curry had huge plays. Uh, Allie Stumler, the kill that she had where she pretty much was laid out on the floor and then gets up and then just spikes the ball a 1,000 miles an hour right into the, into, into the floor – uh, and then moving on to the third set, which they dominated. I mean, this is a team, Derek, that they didn't lose sets in the regular season, and they're doing it right now in the NCAA tournament. It's the only one in this round 
that won in straight sets. Volleyball seems like one of those sports, uh, you still get it in a few other college sports, basketball not as much these days, but whenever I was watching them last night, you hear them say the names of the players. You just mentioned that very good senior class. But you look at the balance. Stoneware is a junior, so you have all these very good upperclassmen, and then, you know, Teeler, sophomore, but you add in the number one recruiting class. That's how you know the program is in great shape. When you have all these seniors who have contributed a lot, throughout the careers, and then you can bring in a freshman like Maddie Skinner on the outside who looks like a future SEC player of the year to me. Oh, yeah, I'll watch her play. So Sophie Fisher, again, a top top recruit. Um, I don't know what they have coming in next year, but I'm with you. Like I, That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be an expert on volleyball. I've not watched any of these other teams play that are going to be in the Final Four. But having just watched Kentucky a few times, you would think they have all the pieces that they need oh. to uh, to win a national championship. So. I mean, athleticism off the charts, man. You you talk about Teeler there, undersized at her position, but might be the best athlete on the court. Like and I said, uh, I said twelve or fourteen years for Craig Skinner on the broadcast. He said he's been here sixteen years, so I was selling it short. So this is a sixteen year in the making type thing. But the volleyball program, obviously, Sean has been. Well, haven't they won like four of the last five SEC championships they've or something won, like that? won four straight SEC titles. Four straight, yeah. So, I mean, they've been and, right there dominating the league for a long time and now broke through. And, I'm, I, yeah, you're right. After that first set, they kind of made it look easy, which is very difficult to do in an Elite Eight game. And I don't know a ton about volleyball. Obviously, being a friend of Hunter's, I've learned quite a bit. Nobody covers that program inside and out the way Hunter Mitchell does. I mean, he literally lives and breathes volleyball not just Kentucky volleyball, volleyball in general. But I did notice enough that early in that match last night they weren't passing the ball as well, but that kind of, that picked up significantly as it went on. And Allie Stummer, talk, just think about this before we move on. Avery Skinner was a very good freshman in that program, opposite Leah Edmond. And Madison Lilly in that class, Gabby Curry in that class. That that was when they still had some uh, some other very talented players in the program. Avery had a really good freshman year, Derek. But in comes Allie Stumler as a freshman, takes her spot. Avery didn't play much the last couple of years, and then here she is as a senior. I think she was second in kills last night, if I'm not mistaken. Here's her sister in the program as a freshman. You don't get not, not saying that every kid's the same. But how many basketball, football, baseball, softball, or just any sport in general would a freshman go from starting, go from playing a ton, not playing hardly at all as a sophomore and junior, and then waiting and carving out a role on a team that's in the Final Four as a senior? You don't get that many times today. And I'm not criticizing ones that decide it's not for them, but kudos to her. Her sister's there at UK now, who I think is going to go on to be one of the best that they've had here when you just look at her and the way she moves. This is a program that, regardless of what happens this weekend, this won't be their last time there. I'm with you there. Now, especially when you talk about having that top class as a freshman, you got to think if that group sticks together, they'll have a pretty good chance. I'm sure the way Skinner has been recruiting, that whatever they're bringing in next year will be really solid as well. Um, but, yeah, so they play 730, correct, Sean? 730 on Thursday night against Washington, who I believe eliminated Kentucky the last time there was a tournament. Is that correct? I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to think here. I know Nebraska beat them their freshman year in the Elite Eight. Who, I, I thought that's what they said on the broadcast. I think it was. Washington at some point. They, um, 
Very good opportunity, though. Very good opportunity to to get to the to a spot in the championship game. I mean, they're there now. Yeah. I mean, as weird as this season has been, they made history last night doing something that that program has never accomplished. I think it's really good too. Certainly, when we talk Final Fours and we talk the month of April, we're not thinking volleyball. I mean, this is actually the 2020 championship being played in 2021. Four <laughs> months into it, yeah. but. There do you do you think though, just speaking to the fans here, this this fan base needs this. I think it really needs it. Like of everything that you know we've been through as a country and just as humans and individually over the, the last twelve to thirteen months, and then UK fans in general not getting to go to events the way they want to, the basketball team struggling, the football team ended up having a very good close, looks like it's gonna rebound and have a very good year next year. But it wasn't the way it was a lot of people thought it would be. But then here's the volleyball team and getting on Twitter last night, it felt like an actual UK men's basketball game. The, my Twitter timeline was dominated by UK volleyball. It's great for those girls. It's great for those coaches, that team, because now people know how dominant Ali Stummer is. Now people know how great Madison Lilly is. Uh, they, they earned this moment. And I think it was really cool that this thing's on national TV because I think the the sport of volleyball it, it's very entertaining if you sit oh, down yeah. and watch it because it's high class athletes very very good athletes yeah everybody loves a winner too I mean you see that a lot with the non revenue sports at any college really when they're winning I mean people really get interested and you know watching volleyball I've always enjoyed it I play volleyball friends sometimes not as much as I used to when I was in college a very fun sport to play as well. Uh, was never that good. I mean, I'm five foot ten, five foot eleven, five foot eleven on a good day. Uh, <laughs> trying to play, you know, it's typically a sport reserved for very tall people that do well. I mean, you look up and down UK's roster; they have girls, multiple girls, six foot three or taller. And um, you're right, though, it's a fun sport to watch. Uh, I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't claim to know all the ins and outs. I will not be an expert by Thursday. But it's the kind of sport you can just kind of enjoy it for what it is, you know, without having to know every little detail. But you're right about Hunter. Give him a – I don't have his stuff pulled up in front of me. He probably said it on the episode he was on. But if you're interested in following, get some perspective on the volleyball team in the next few days, he would be someone good to follow. He probably knows a lot about the other teams too um, that are in the Final Four. So I'll be sure to watch that on Thursday. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what happens. But – I'm with you. And, you know, another thing to give credit to Mitch Barnhart, I mean, I think Skinner's been pretty much really good at Kentucky from the start, so that probably makes it easier. You don't really have a process where things were too bumpy. But those some of those hires can be tough. And um, if they can add a national championship in volleyball, I mean, what a what a job well done because I can remember getting to UK in 2013 – and I think they had a pretty solid program, but not nothing to the extent of what it is now. That's what I was kind of talking about with, like, how you can tell it's an elite program. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Leah Edmond was still at Kentucky last year, right? Yeah, she was. And probably up to that point, if not the best player in school history, one of the best, certainly in the conversation. And you replace her – well, I mean – you don't really replace someone like that, you wouldn't think, but the team success, they make it even further the next year. And you got young players like Skinner, who we talked about, who have right features of their own. That's definitely how you know that, that Skinner's doing a great job with that program. So, 
And be sure to tune into that. Sean, we got anything else we want to talk about? Well, just I was going to mention Hunter too, but when he completes this thing and they win this thing, Derek, uh, Craig Skinner, I'm going to reach out and we'll get back on here. Uh, Media Tory's going to go on. He'll, uh, Craig, uh, very nice guy. I saw him, uh, I don't know if he lives close to me or what, but I can remember seeing them. It was actually when they were. Didn't they host the tournament one year here in Lexington? They did. This class's freshman season, they did. So that's the year it was. So that's how it's been so long. Uh, I saw him at my local Kroger. But Craig, very nice gentleman, said hello to him. Uh, he's someone who remembers. You know, I've covered one match when I was in college. I did it for a school, uh, for class. My senior year, I covered it. played Georgia. And he followed me on Twitter right after. I was the only media member there. Like you were talking about, I'm sure you were, whenever you were there. So, um, the kind Mitchell. of program that you can expect though next season we'll have a lot more eyes on it for sure and and one thing I was going to say about Hunter usually I, won't, I mean I won't use this podcast to plug people that aren't on here as guests during an episode but if you enjoy listening to this podcast and if you if you trust what Derek and I tell you then I really want you and I recommend you to follow Hunter Mitchell It's his Twitter handle is at hmitchell14 because I trust me, if you're following this volleyball tournament, you won't find a better follow than Hunter. And in addition to that, photography and stuff, when things are normal during football games and men's basketball games, really good at that as well. Uh, Hunter's a first-class guy. I met him actually at volleyball that same year. Has become one of my good friends. So I, I, it's at Hunter. It's at H Mitchell 14. That's Hunter Mitchell. Give him a follow. Uh, but. Let's go ahead, Derek, and just transition to the football news today. And we're going to work on getting an episode with this, but another big day for Vince Merrill himself and the U.K. football program. almost forgot, Sean. I was telling you I was ready to, ready to call it a day, but you're right. <laughs> Josh Caddis, who had mentioned um, – I don't remember what episode we mentioned him in. Maybe mailbag episode. But either way, the tight end from Mulder High School up in Cincinnati – Shout out to Muller High School, home of Hall of Fame baseball players Barry Larkin and Ken Griffey Jr. Um, just want to give them a shout out, even though I didn't go there. But yeah, he committed. He had offers from Arkansas, Cincinnati, Michigan, several others that he chose Kentucky over. I watched his film last night. Again, I don't claim to be a football scout, but you see, very good blocker. Not the fastest kid in the world, but you know he's a tight end. But very soft hands. First clip of his highlight video on huddle. He snags him with one hand going over the middle. So he is the kind of guy who's not rated super high. Matter of fact, out of all the guys who have been rated, he's like, I think, 350 spots lower than anyone else who's been committed to this point. But you look at the offers that he has, you look at his tape, to me he looks like a guy who will certainly contribute at tight end for Kentucky. I would expect to see the field for sure and have an impact on this program. Yeah, another another good piece. Kentucky right there, I think number nine in the rivals class rankings. I think number eleven in twenty four seven sports. Correct me if I'm wrong on those. That's right. But another and Alabama. Good, yeah, another good. That will change at it some will, point. Yes. But <laughs> and now just like Rutgers being up there, I don't expect Rutgers yeah. to be sitting where they are. But another good piece of the program, a guy that you could see making plays on the field in a few years. They've uh, not had one commitment yet, Sean. That I thought was a reach. Not one. No, the nine commitments they have. I think every single kid, even Smith, I mean, the kicker at Boyle County, again, someone I knew about when he was in middle school because he was kicking 50-yard bombs um, in the eighth grade against Corbin. So, and always, hard to, always hard to judge them. 
Yeah, do and I spoke with Caddis this morning. We're working on getting a time for an episode. Uh, hopefully, we can get that one uh, to you pretty soon. As always, we will be right here, ready to cover whatever happens with the men's basketball program, football. Uh, gear up and get ready to watch volleyball on Thursday. If you're a Kentucky fan, and I know a lot of people are passionate regardless of what it is when it has UK on it. Oh, yeah. uh, Kentucky fans will certainly be tuned into that. If you can make it out, make it out to the Butcher's Pub uh, to watch that. Uh, that will be two locations right now, one in Pondville, one in Williamsburg, then the third location coming on May 1st to London, Kentucky. is their grand opening day there. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. Derek, I was actually going to ask you, maybe I can just ask you here, do you want to do a basketball-only mailbag for tomorrow? Sounds good. We can do that. I don't think we really have anything else unless there's some kind of huge news. Um, I'd be cool with that. Send in your questions. So I know most of you guys go to Sean, but my DMs are open as well. Just message me on Twitter if you have a question or just tweet at me, and uh, we'll get to it tomorrow. Yep. As always, thank you all so much for listening. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to Kentucky Daily. Leave us a review and a rating. We appreciate your support. But until next time, he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. This has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.